You're listening to Cast, Season 5, Episode 17, 99 Problems. Sam and Dean stumble upon an entire town of hunters, and at the center of it, the Whore of Babylon is masquerading as a false prophet in the form of a preacher's daughter. I am one of your newbies, Paul Mackey, in my living room in Duluth, Minnesota, with my lovely wife, Darcy. Well, hello. Well, hello. And I'm also joined uh, down in New Orleans by our other newbie, Yvette. Hey, y'all. And we've got our experts over in Texas. We've got uh, Annie. Hello. And John Pavlich. Donate plasma. You earn cash (laughs) and you save lives. Awesome. Hey, uh, so to kick off, does... uh, does anybody want to use something other than uh, some term other than the, uh, the the term that they're using for this particular character? You don't like to say that word, do you? I t- this, this, it's problematic. For I people. I find it incredibly problematic, and it really turned me off of this episode. Yeah. And I know that it's like a biblical term, yeah. but like I really hated it. Well, we can go with Smurf, like a flashback to, to your uh, season three of... Uh, <laughs> the Smurf of Babylon. I love it. Let's do it. The Smurf. Makes sense to me. <laughs> Let's Smurf this thing. Let's go. I almost feel bad for saying it earlier. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got a summary from Supernatural Wiki. Our, uh, our, our, our uh, fellow fans of Supernatural that probably don't know that it exists... And I'll just go ahead and launch right into it, I suppose. Uh, this episode opens with Sam and Dean driving away from unknown enemies, both heavily, both of them heavily injured and desperately trying to escape. They find the road blocked by a burning truck and are set upon by a group of demons. At the last minute, they are saved by hunters who use a hose to douse the demons in holy water and utter Enochian words that exercise the demons instantly. Winchester's con- convinced these hunters members of the Sacrament Lutheran Militia to take them back to their refuge, a church, where they discover that people have gathered together in preparation for the apocalypse, many of them marrying while they still have the chance. Now, this is Blue Earth, Minnesota. It's just the same place that that, uh, that uh, badass Catholic priest with the... Uh, with the uh, oh, yeah! With all the weapons underneath his church. But, he, you know, he wasn't actually, like, a character that we met for very long because Meg killed him pretty much instantly. Right, right away, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's interesting because I... So I read up a little bit about the Smurf of Babylon because I didn't really know anything about that character. And apparently some fundamentalist churches and apparently also the Mormon church um, has at times referred to the Catholic Church as being the Smurf of Babylon. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, that so work? that's intriguing. Um, th- okay, so apparently in the Book of Mormon there's something that's called, and I know nothing about Mormonism, so I should say that right now. This is like just all from the internet. There's something that was called the Great and Abominable Church, and that um, the 
and I guess some of the stories parallel to the stories of the Smurf of Babylon. Um, and But apparently official publications of the LDS Church don't say that, but that's been a thing that's been referred to in the past. And I guess Jehovah's Witnesses have also had some things to say about the Catholic Church being possibly the Smurf of Babylon, as well as the Seventh-day Adventists. Wow. Hmm. So. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So is yeah. it is it just is it just their way of like trying to discredit that one religion as like almost like a false prophet kind of thing? Well, I mean, it's kind of what it there, sounds like, but Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I grew up in one of these churches. They're idolaters. Ah, yeah, okay. I I guess Because you. saints yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Imagery yeah. and stuff. Mhm. And then also, I mean, a, a lot of these other the the, the smaller churches or the uh uh Sects or whatever you want to call it that you're mentioning, a lot of them have been, you know, persecuted. Yeah, they. I mean, have. The, the Lutheran, the Lutherans, not Lutherans, the Mormons. Yeah. Were yeah. persecuted and driven, driven across the across country. Across the country and. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's next it's to the Salt Lake there. It's just basically like a bunch of different religions being like, our religion is the true religion. Yours isn't. Yours is awful and icky and bad. We're gonna yeah. harm you for it. Yeah. Of course, I don't believe that. But that's what I was taught, you know. Right. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> well, I think Not everybody was taught that. Even the Catholics taught that to some degree because... Taught what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was like I all of them were just like... Well, that the others were... Well, I got in trouble <laughs> yeah. for drawing Buddha because yeah, of course, I totally yeah. thought that was God, but nobody told me otherwise. So, mm -hmm. you know. It's all right. Yeah. Um, a quick uh, synopsis of the symbolism of the Smurf of Babylon, and this is straight from our friends at Wikipedia, is right. the Smurf is associated with the Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation by connection with an equally evil kingdom. The word Smurf can also be translated metaphorically as idolatrous. The Smurf's apocalyptic downfall is prophesied to take place in the hands of the image of the beast with seven heads and ten horns. There is much speculation within Christian eschatology eschatology, pardon me, on what the Smurf and Beast symbols, as well as the possible implications for contemporary interpretations. And I felt like um, you were almost going to say scatology, and that's a whole different... That <laughs> is a different issue, but yeah, the, the Smurf of Babylon's Wikipedia page is real good reading, and it has a lot of really good um, links. <laughs> Not to jump too far ahead, but Paul, can I just say I'm really looking forward to the, uh, to the banner image for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Smurf of Babylon. Oh, it's just Smurf. Babylon. <laughs> oh, poor Smurfette. Oh well, she asked for it. Yeah, well, maybe it'll be the black hair Smurfette. She was originally created by Gargamel to be evil. Yes. She was she, exactly. Oh, don't forget. I don't yeah, know you didn't the, know that. Um, yeah, eschatology of the Smurfs. Uh huh. Yeah, oh, yeah. she was originally oh, yeah. created by Gargamel <laughs> to uh, to. Uh, draw the stir the Smurfs to, like to him so he could like cook them and eat them. Yes. Right. Well, that's pretty um, misogynistic. Yeah. So. Yes, it is. As is this whole um, yeah. mythology here. So, as was this episode. So great. The town is seemingly led by Pastor Gideon, but they soon discover that the hunters are guided by what they believe to be the will of heaven via Leah Gideon who receives prophetic visions from the angels. And so immediately, as soon as she showed up, I was like, this lady's trouble. Like, 
if the title didn't clue me off, I was like, I'm obviously looking for a woman who's going to be like a badass V and is going to cause these people some trubs. And I was like, yep, it's her. Yeah, although initially the way that she was talking about how she hears everything that the angels are saying and she's getting the messages from the angels, it almost felt more like uh, what what Anna was doing when she didn't remember she was an angel. Mm-hmm. Mm. More than the prophecy. I think. Well, I think that was kind of the idea was that they wanted to like, be like, oh, this makes sense. Like we've yeah. kind of seen this thing before, exactly. so they wanted you to just immediately go with the idea. It's like, oh yeah, she's totally fine, but. You know, we've all been watching this show for 80 seasons so far, so we all know it's like, no, of course she's evil. (laughs) Yeah. Leah has a vision of several demons inside a house on the outskirts of town. Pastor Gideon, Dean, Sam, and then a bunch of other people, but it says the names. Rob, Jane, Dylan, and Paul go out of the house and kill and exercise about 15 demons. Afterwards... Dylan, son of Rob and Jane, asks to ride with the Winchesters, but is dragged under the Impala and killed by a demon for having that beer. <laughs> Don't have that beer, kids. You'll get dragged under a car and killed. That's legit. Uh, the mother subsequently blames the boys during the funeral, and Leah receives another vision, claiming that in order for them to reach paradise, they must follow the angel's commandments without reservation, such as no pr- premarital sex, no gambling, no drinking, etc., Lame. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Come on. I know. Definitely. Who wants to live like that? Dean asks Leah about paradise, and she informs Dean that after there is a major battle, the planet will be handed over to the Chosen, where there will be no monsters, disease, or death, but only peace. You know. So I, I, there's one thing I'm, I'm curious about, and I don't know if this. You know, I, I, I have shaky knowledge at best about revelations in the apocalypse but uh, isn't there supposed to be like a hundred year war or something like that after after the apocalypse gets kicked off tribulations or something like that is not supposed to be how that works yeah but i feel like you can always hand wave that stuff with like god's time is not our time right like that's also how the earth was like created in seven seven days days. somehow right (laughs) right that's also that's something my mom would say all the time like if you like would pray or something she'd be like and i'd be like mad because the prayer didn't come true as if it's like a genie wish and she would just be like god's time is not our time and i like grew to hate that phrase because i heard it so much anyway god works in mysterious ways (sighs) right Uh, Leah also tells him that he is one of the chosen to inherit paradise, where he will be with the people that he loves. Sam visits Paul, the local barman, who seems unconvinced by the angel's plans, and the two of them get drunk together. Sam staggers back to the hotel and informs Dean of the extremist lengths the people are going to to fulfill the angel's wishes. So this episode is sort of like, I mean, not sort of, but... I guess, uh, maybe, well, never mind. We'll talk about this after. Okay, sure. go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Dean is uninterested, however, and wishes to leave the townsfolk to it. Sam does not accept this and urges Dean to help him stop them. Dean goes out to clear his head, and a very drunk Castiel arrives after Sam left him a message on his voicemail earlier. We'll save that for quotes. Meanwhile... <laughs> 
Leah receives word from the angels. They are furious for some people are not abiding by their rules and must be dealt with in order for the others to go to paradise. Dean walks by the bar and finds several townsfolk, townsfolk hassling the pole. <laughs> That's an interesting sentence. Hassling the bar owner, I suppose, is what they're trying to say. <laughs> Resulting in Jane shooting him dead for the greater good. The greater good. And uh, they, they do have some time afterwards where they're agonizing over this, uh, whether this was uh, the right thing to do or not, and Pastor Gideon doesn't think that this is right, but Leah says, yeah, sure, it's, it's necessary for them to reach salvation. That was a Hot Fuzz reference, by the way, for anyone who didn't catch that. I got that. I don't know what right. even Hot Fuzz is. Oh. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. What is it? Uh, it's a movie by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Um, and it's basically about a cop who is too good at his job. He's making everyone else in his department look bad. So they ship him off to uh, a little tiny town where nothing happens except a bunch of people start getting murdered. And he has to try and sort it out. But it's, and it's <laughs> Yeah, it's friggin' hilarious. And it and throughout the whole thing there is um it's a it's a it, it's also like a parody satirical look at like the action movie genre. So yeah, mm-hmm. like it's and it's it's really clever, it's really funny. Um yeah, you should definitely uh try to find it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere or it is. It's streaming what? on Netflix, actually. Is it? Oh, fantastic. Perfect. If it's on well, Netflix, I'll watch it. There you go. Then That's do the that. That's the only and, way I watch anything. And <laughs> and report back uh, next week. Yeah, because I was talking about it. Yeah, it's Dar- not going to happen before next yeah. week. But. I, was talk- uh, I was talking to Darcy about it, and she was like, I don't know. Did I see that? I was like, I know you saw it. We talked about it for like a like a couple of months straight and making references and stuff. She was like, I don't remember if I saw it. And then I, I, I popped it on the streaming, and I was like, okay, well, here it is. And she watched about... 40 seconds of the open, and she's like, I totally saw this. This is absolutely fa- fa- fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and just, we watched just enough that I, I was like, the uh, they had a parade of uh, different, you know, higher ranking offices than him coming through and telling him about how he has to take this new assignment, and they were all extremely famous British comedians. Yep. <laughs> doing just like a... Uh, okay, I'll say a few sentences. Oh, you won't take that from me? Okay, well, we'll pull in the next guy, and the next guy is even more. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's tangent. So, Point Break or Bad Boys 2? What, are you asking me which one I prefer? No, I'm asking you which one you want to watch first. Wait, what? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Just watch the movie. <laughs> okay. All okay. right, because I also then was like, oh, my God, do I have to also watch Point Break and Bad Boys no. 2? Because I've <laughs> no, never you seen don't. those either. All right. But if you do watch Point Break, watch the, the old one, not the new one. There's multiple Point Breaks. Yeah. There was a, there was a, there was a remake that nobody went and saw, so nobody barely rem- remembers. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so I, I'm all right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, where the hell am I? Uh, Drunk Castiel, The Angels are Furious. The Hansel. So Drunk Castiel, and... I liked. That yes. was a part of this that I did <laughs> enjoy. Yay. <laughs> Definitely, but I was way past that already. Let's see here. Oh yes, they're uh, they're they're trying to decide if this was a good thing to do or not to 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 murder the bar owner for the greater good. Upon returning to the motel, Dean learns from Castiel and Sam that Leah is in fact dead, and the creature taking her form is the Smurf of Babylon. 
A creature that manifests during the apocalypse with the sole purpose of damning humans to hell. Castiel explains that she can only be killed with a cypress branch from uh, Babylon. That was an awesome cypress branch. Like, I like the design of it. it. had, like, little markings on it and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Uh, wielded by a true servant of heaven, the boys logically assume that Pastor Gideon is the only one who fits the bill and succeed in convincing him to kill his daughter's imposter, who is at that moment about to burn the sinners alive, including innocent children. Sam Dean Castiel and the pastor try to kill the Smurf, but she utters an incantation that cripples Castiel temporarily and uses a mild form of telekinesis to keep Sam and Dean at bay. What exactly does it mean by mild form of telekinesis? I'm sorry, I'm making fun of the summary, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, this, it's the same kind of telekinesis that all of these uh, demons and everybody are throwing them against the wall and holding them still, right? <laughs> I, I guess I guess that's, that would be the mild form. It's like, oh... Throwing a person across a room as opposed to throwing a Buick across a state? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Mild. Mild. Pastor Gideon tries to impale her with the branch, but is thrown aside whilst she tries to kill Dean. But he grabs the branch and stabs her through the heart, killing her instantly. Actually, don't, they don't actually say Smurf very often in this uh, summary now that I'm reading it. But, I'm uh, glad. Good, I'm glad. I feel like Dean said it enough for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The boys, Castiel and Pastor Gideon, escape the church, leaving Sam wondering how it was that Dean was able to kill the Smurf if he didn't have any faith in heaven. He fears that Dean is considering saying yes to Michael, but Dean claims otherwise. At the motel, however, Dean drives off and goes to visit Lisa Braden, which was kind of it really felt out of left field. It felt really out of left field at the beginning when they were like, "Hey, remember this?" in the uh, in the in the then section, and uh, it didn't feel any less out of left field at the end of this one, <laughs> in my opinion. But uh, that's uh, what did you think? Meh. Meh. Okay. Very good then. <laughs> he tells her that in an ideal. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. He tells her that in an ideal world. He would want nothing more to live in peace with her and her son, Ben, but he knows this is impossible. He warns her that in the next few days, things are going to get really bad, but not to worry, because the people he's going to see next will not get anything from him unless they promise to make arrangements for their safety. Dean does not explain his intentions, but heavily implies his desire is to accept Michael's proposal. And that's the episode summary. Yeah, okay, so what I was going to say before is that this episode felt weird, mainly because we didn't get any of the, like, big arc until the very end. Yeah, it was like... Like, the rest of it, you could have plopped down into, like, any season, and at this point, I'm just like, no, I want the story, you know? So the whole time I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, I mean, basically it was, I I felt like, yeah, it really came in basically the last uh last 10 minutes or so roughly i mean w- with the uh, with the revelation that dean's able to 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 be the true servant of heaven and from there on it's more arc but otherwise it's really standalone yeah i mean it's it's basically and it's basically using the space of an episode to have dean sort of get his faith back a little bit um but also to like present to him on a on a you know microcosmic scale of like what he would be 
uh, doing if he, you know, uh, gave up, basically. You know, because, like, you have the whole room full of people mm-hmm. that are going to be burned alive, you know. And if you can prevent that. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah so it's, it's, so, I mean, the episode does serve a purpose, but... If that's right, in that, like, you maybe didn't need exactly 40 whole minutes to get there. Or, or at the very least, like, you know, find some other way to, to do that, to get to that point. Because, yeah, I mean, you could just, this is basically, up until then, this is basically a, um, like a Monster of the Week episode, you know. A little bit, yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, like, on the face of it, but, you know, you, you, when you watch something, you know, you're always looking for like the question of why did you tell me this story? And they don't really give you the answer until like the last few minutes. So, right. I felt, I felt like it was really pointless. It's, it's a bit of a long way to go for a short drink of water. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point in the season, I don't want that. We don't really have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, get to the story because at first I thought, so I thought I always knew, like I said, that she was trouble, but I thought it was going to play into the like long arc in some way. And sort of like, I didn't project too far, like what I thought she was going to be doing, but I guess sort of like Paul, since she was acting more like an angel, I thought like, you know, maybe she's another angel or maybe, you know, this prophecy is going to actually go somewhere, but to have it just be this whole, like, smurf of babylon thing it just felt so pointless that i had a lot of trouble with the episode as a whole i was just like why am i being told this story right now or if i mean not that we want to have the uh the smurf in the entire rest of the season but maybe to have her actually be a player aside from you know just this one small town where she's corrupting people well i mean she's you you do that and she's basically lilith again yeah i know i think maybe uh, maybe the it was a turning point. It was kind of ambiguous. Um, but like you're saying, it's it's quite a quite a ways to to get to the point of the episode. But I think maybe the point is um, that you know when, when Dean was able to kill the Smurf, um, it proved that he was a true servant of heaven, and he interpreted that as well. Obviously, this is what I have to do. I have to say yes to Michael. Now, mm. uh, had he made the decision before or after he did the stabbing? I don't think he had yet. I think maybe that was that was his turning point where he was like, "Okay, fine, fine, okay, whatever." Did we fix? Like, I was confused by like, how did he know he was the one who was supposed to do it? Well, they have that conversation. Is that he 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 didn't? He just he decided to basically, take a shot. yeah, yeah. He took he took a leap of faith. Okay, so see, when he was like having that conversation with Sam, I didn't know if he was being honest. Like, I didn't know if like there was something else, or you know what I mean. Like, I was like, "Oh, is that it?" Yeah. Well, usually with this show, especially when we're dealing with Dean, because Dean is usually uh, brutally honest, and in the occasions when he's not, they usually do uh, like get to how he really feels pretty quickly. Like, it's usually something they're dealing with like at the top of the episode, like, how do you really feel? How do you really feel? You know? And then it isn't until the end where like, they'll actually have it out and you'll find out how he really feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the one thing that had me wondering was, I mean, it, uh, you know, 
if Dean didn't make the decision until after that, that maybe it's actually that they are all, I mean, as much as they don't feel like they are, maybe they are all servants of heaven. I mean, is it, you know, Zachariah's team heaven, or is it someone else's? There's, there's these factions and things that might be in play. Mm-hmm. We only that's, really that's know a- about the active faction, but, you know, in terms of servants of heaven, perhaps they're all actually servants of heaven in terms of the big, broad sphere of it. Right. There, there's a very, you know, open question of, does servant of heaven mean the same thing as servant of God? I mean, is it servant of Zechariah and his team, or is it servant of God? Because God's apparently not, you know, doesn't feel like he has a horse in this race, like, apparently. According yeah. to Joshua last, last episode. Alright, hey, does uh, one of these guys win, and if so, why? Hmm. I say no. Like, I don't think either of them won this yeah. time around. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really have an answer. Yeah, he, <laughs> he went. He wins against the Smurf, but yeah. he stabbed. He stabbed a Smurf. Uh, I'm gonna say that De- Dean wins because he made the kill. But I mean, right. I know that's pretty pretty lame, but that's what I got. Yeah, they don't think they come out. I I don't feel like anybody comes out winning. I mean, there's not a whole lot of winning. I, this I understand season. your point. Yeah, you got to find your wins where you can take them. But that's right. Yeah, I'm gonna go neither personally. I have Sam for not giving up written down, but I can't remember exactly why. But I'll go with it. It's going to be neither anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it is indeed neither. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, does anybody have a quote they want first? I don't remember any. Cass has I, all the best quotes. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like Cass is the only one who said anything quotable in this episode. <laughs> All right, well, I'll go with, uh, you have reached the voicemail box of, uh, I don't understand why. Why do you want me to say my name? Beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> <laughs> or for starters, Lee is not a real prophet. Then what is she exactly? The Smurf. Wow, Cass. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> I'm still leaving the big one available. I'll go with uh, the Smurf can only be killed by a true servant of heaven. Servant like not you or me. Sam, of course, is an abomination. We'll have to find someone else. <laughs> oh, that Sam makes a face like, what, what, hey, <laughs> standing right here. I think we can all agree that Sam is an abomination. That's true enough. <laughs> and the Enochian exorcism? Fake. It actually means you um, breed with the mouth of a goat. Long pause. It's funnier in Enochian. <laughs> That's on many a t-shirt. It's funnier in Enochian. <laughs> so, you're a preacher. Not what you expected, huh? Dude, you're packing. Strange times. <laughs> okay, well, if no one else is going to take it, I'll take the, um, uh, what the hell happened to you? Found a liquor store. And I drank it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's all the quote I've got. My anti-quote, as in the worst quote, was that whole Dean, sometimes she get to kill a Smurf or whatever. Mm. Ugh, Gross. Like, I was, like, lit- like I literally, like, recoiled. I was like, ugh. 
Yeah, I've got to say, I, I, li- I didn't, uh, I didn't much enjoy the uh, the half-assed. Uh, she looks in the mirror and then kind of her face goes wonky for a second, and it happens. Yeah. Oh, I hated that because it's like, come on, trust the viewer. Like at this point, we've already figured out. We do, that We don't. Is. We don't need a visual representation. Like. Yeah. Absolutely and, and, not. And to give us that, like, that's such like a cliched like Jacob's ladder. Like, I've seen that effect a hundred times. Like, really, you know. Yeah, their face kind of melts off to one side and. Or like it's like a quick edit, motion blur, thing. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're into our feedback section then. Uh, We've got an email from Allie, who says, uh, "And a bitch ain't one." Hey, idiots. Sorry for the language. I just remember loving that this episode was named after a Jay Z song when it came out. Right off the bat, we meet the big Vancouver actor for the episode, Michael Shanks. Best known for playing the James Spader replacement on Stargate SG-1. His wife is Lexa Doig, who guest starred on the Supernatural episode The End. In the first scene, I also noticed another Michael. Michael from Jane the Virgin, actor Brett Deere as Dylan. Too bad he died so oh. unceremoniously. I thought I knew him from somewhere. Okay, great. Cool. Everything Cass says in this episode is gold. From his outgoing voicemail to his drunk scene to the quote I won't take. By the way, when he's talking about the fake exorcism, the whore gave... Sorry. Oops, Smurf. (laughs) Sorry, the feedback. Uh, The Smurf gave the town people. It's actually kind of funny. As I learned from Tumblr, in the Middle Ages, goats supposedly whispered lewd comments into the ears of saints. So basically, it means you talk dirty when you F. (laughs) So that's basically what they're yelling at the demons when they were exorcising them. I guess it. Al- I always thought it was supposed to be funny because I took it literally, but that's gross. I remember thinking this was a weak episode, but I really enjoyed it this time around. Maybe it's because over the years I have become much more in touch with my own nihilism, so the developments Dean has over the course of the episode are relatable to me. And the way that Dean is giving up or giving in affects Sam. In the last episode, Dean was so upset that while his place in heaven was memories with his family, Sam's was any time he wasn't with his family. Hunting just Sam and Dean for the last five years has changed that. It's strengthened their bonds, and now it's all Sam's got. He pleads with Dean to keep fighting with him, but after that visit Dean made to Lisa, well, it seems like too little too late, Sammy. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Signed, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Oh, thanks. Yes, very uh, in-depth email. Yeah. Much appreciated. And then we also have uh, a fairly in-depth uh, post from Nutty on Facebook. Cool. Uh, she says, I like the concept of this episode, but watching it last week, I realized just how scary it is. It's hard watching the town turn like that as it seemed all too real in Trump's America. Pardon me as I, <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me as I yak just a bit from think typing that. Ugh. Specfic is big on showcasing how real evil is in human nature, and most of the time I like to focus on the good, as on the good we as a people can do. But this wasn't Specfic for to me watching it. Maybe I'm just being way too sensitive lately. But it's scary when art changes due to current current events. See, I'm actually I'm actually uh, like I totally agree with with what she's saying, but I'm actually having like like the reverse feeling, like the like the like because of this past election and like I've it, I've seen it 
turn you know like good people into like terrible people and like the the when their principles like go out the window and stuff like 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 that like that's i don't know like i'm just kind of like yeah that that's what that's what that feels like it feels like i'm i'm like the only sane person in a town full of people who were otherwise like totally fine and like you know and and had the moral high ground at some point but like the stuff that they've done while claiming to be like righteous like i just sit back children in a closet yeah right the plausibility (laughs) of it is really creepy yeah and she says uh by the way just finished watching ds9 and damn did that change thanks to this last year also, I had a big problem with them using Smurf all the time. I can see that it was written as a joke, but it's not cool. And really, do we have to go there? It feels so much more like S- Season 1 Supernatural. Not that Supernatural is problem-free even now, but it was marginally better, I thought. My fix, note she is what early Christians called the Smurf of Babylon, and then move on to calling her something else. Like, perhaps what did the angels call her? I can't see them calling people Smurfs, they don't really have sex drives or seem to judge people on sex lives or work. Let's not forget Cass trying to tell the stripper she was a good person and that her father was leaving her wasn't her fault. Sure, that did more harm than good because he lacked the social cues, but that's my whole point. Angels don't have the social concept, context to use the word Smurf like that. So make something else up, really. Smurf jokes, not funny. I think they, prob- I think they probably would still use use the word because it doesn't mean the same thing to them that it does to us like it doesn't carry that that stigma or that that connotation mm. so yeah. like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uncomfortable for them at all so uh, yeah I just I, I you know they they went through a whole episode where they had antichrist and they came up with a different term for that so why couldn't they have smurf and come up with a different term for that that's true unless they really wanted to say smurf a lot Smurf a lot. There, nice dance. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Uh, lastly, I like how Cass even thinks Dean isn't a true servant of the Lord. Sure, he might have become one by deci- deciding to say yes, but I don't think that's the case. I think that he always was, and I find that terribly interesting. Thank you, Nutty. Thanks, Nutty. Thanks, Nutty. Um... I, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've already talked about this, but I totally agree with this Smurf problem. Like, it's one of those things where there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a Smurf, of course. Like, that's a valid career choice. But it's a really um, old-school, effed-up thing to call somebody. Yeah. So let's just not do that anymore. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yes. Well, should we rate this? Sure. Who would like to go first? I'll go. Um, I, you know, like I like this episode. Like I like, um, like it's it's a nice little sort of self-contained story, and even though it does have a bit of a tie at the end with with the overall uh, arc of the season, um, and I like uh, some of the action scenes. I thought they were they were shot and edited really well, and it's you know got a couple funny moments, but it is sort of an inconsequential episode as well um and it does sort of play out the the way you think it's going to play out you know it's not there aren't any like big twists or revelations in it it's like okay yeah like this girl's a little too nice she's probably uh up to no good and it turns out she of course she is um 
but you know, it's not terrible. So I'm going to give it seven out of ten hangover pills. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I feel like it's a standalone episode for the most part with the arc significance right at the end, like we said. And it's kind of, you know, the, the test of uh, real-life morality versus church dogma kind of thing. I mean, that's kind of the, you know, the concept you're coming down to for what the standalone portion is. Uh, and then, yeah, the terminology being shaky. And like I said, they had an Antichrist episode where they came up, you know, easily came up with an alternate term for the Antichrist. The action was pretty good, but the, ultimately the morality test thing, the morality test part just kind of felt a little hollow to me. I think that that, that kind of thing where someone's being misled by hell to do bad things works a lot better when you're co- concentrating on one person instead of a whole town. So uh, it did, and, and really, so it didn't really feel like anything I hadn't seen before somewhere else. Uh, so I'm going to go with five out of ten sacred fire hoses. <laughs> Bless you, whoever sneezing. That's Colin. <laughs> Aww. All right, I guess I'll go. Um, boy, oh, this bless you. That's, is that three or four? It sounds like me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, this episode didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, I don't know the 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 feeling of the uh, church folk and. I don't know, the, the the mood of the whole thing, just kind of meh. I, I had a hard time even paying attention, I'll be honest. It was not great for me. So I am going to give it um, 5 out of 10 boxes of Smurfberry Crunch. <laughs> I don't want to picture that. <laughs> Annie, did you go... Uh, no, um, but I will. Um, okay, great. My my rating for this one kept going down the longer we talked about it. Um, it's it's okay. Um, there there's not. It doesn't have a whole lot to add, you know, to the the main story until the very end. Um, and it, you're right. Like nothing in it really feels like something we've never seen before. But at the same time, like it's just. The, the little story that it tells is so, it's just so creepy in the, you know, the actual possibility of it. Like, all the worst evil in human history, all of the most atrocious atrocities have come when people claim to be talking to God. And I always get chills when I watch this episode when she's like, I know who the bad guys are. I have their names. It's just so ugly and gross. Yeah. Well, the one that get, the one that gets me is when when her, like he doesn't even, uh, you know, he's not, he doesn't even come out completely against her. He just says like, "Hey, take it easy." You know, we don't want to get anyone killed here. And she turns. And she to tells her, yeah. she tells her father and says, "You know, let me go, or uh, your name will be the next one I, that I give up." Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that part's really nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. Except for that just general scary scary concept, the episode is not all that special. Although I I did like, um, especially the, the guest actors, especially uh, Bruce Ramsey as Paul, um, mm-hmm. the, the bartender. I thought he did a great job. And it's always nice to see Lisa for a few minutes. Um, so I'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten 
puritanical party papers. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think I've made it clear I wasn't a fan of this one. And I, it's not only like the whole Smurf thing, although that was a big turnoff for me for sure. But like I've already said, like it just feels like at this point in the season, we should be moving forward with the main story. We shouldn't necessarily be having monsters of the week unless they're like especially fun or, you know, like if they're really fun, then it breaks up the tension a little bit, which is good. But it's, this wasn't fun and it wasn't, it was actually just super grim. And maybe that's another thing like that I didn't really think about until I heard um, Nutty's message. And maybe it is like hitting too close to home for me. And I don't know, like the whole like religious fundamentalism thing really, it, I, it was just a bummer and not in like the sort of enjoyable way that I find like, you know, like sad music or something. It was just like, Oh, this is a lot. This is heavy. It's hard for me to take this right now. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a four out of 10 Smurfs and <laughs> uh, that gives that of this episode um, a 5.9, which is definitely the, uh, Oh no, it's the second lowest of the season. The lowest being swap meat. So, yeah. See, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, this was a rough one for me. I get that. Yeah. So John, what is our homework for next week? Next week's homework is Season 5, Episode 18, Point of No Return. All right, so we either get a Kansas thing or a, or a Bridget Fonda thing, right? Bridget Fonda assassination flick? Wouldn't it be great if it was both of those things? Yeah. <laughs> I was at uh, Gallatin Gateway when Bridget Fonda got married. She got married there? Yeah. Huh. Cool. Did it last? She's still married to him? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to that part. I see. I just remember because I got to bring the flowers up. Well, that was after she made Point of No Return, so. Yeah. Which I never actually saw. Because I'd, uh, I'd, I'd already seen La Femme Likita like 10 times by the time that came out. I was like, ah, uh, no interest. I I like it. Like, you know, some people don't. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a decent uh, remake or adaptation, if you will. Sure, yeah. Of uh, of that, you know, pre-existing story. So, yeah. I thought it was pretty decent. All right. Well, that will be for next week. We'll discuss whatever that episode happens to be. Possibly some uh, big decision from uh, Dean. I guess it's implied by the end of this episode. So, we'll see. So, until then, uh, I'll just say happy hunting from here. Happy hunting. Bye, y'all. Thank you. You've been listening to Idgitcast from quadruplez.com. Join the discussion at facebook.com slash We love feedback. You can email us or send us an MP3 voice message. Please use the episode title as your subject line to prevent accidental spoilers. Our email address is idgitcastpodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Idgitcast is by Borrowed Trouble. Find the band at borrowedtrouble.com. Lyrics and vocals by Idgitcast's founder, Allie Jones, who you can find out all about at imthewonderband.com. The closing music you hear right now is Too Good, written and performed by Jack Mangan and is used by permission. 
You can find other music, writings, and discussions by Jack, as well as back episodes of his own deadpan podcast at jackmangan.com. You can hear more from the hosts of this show. Yvette can be heard as one of the hosts of Investigating Mars, an intro cast for the TV series Veronica Mars, also available from quadruplez.com. John Pavlich can be heard on CastleCast, a fan cast for the ABC series Castle at castlecast.net, and his own Sofa Dogs podcast at sofadogs.libsyn.com. Now you can also watch the Sofa Dogs YouTube channel at youtube.com slash user slash sofadogs. Annie is currently acting as global coordinator for Can't Stop the Serenity, a worldwide series of charity screenings of Joss Whedon's Serenity, benefiting Equality Now. For more information on Can't Stop the Serenity, including event listings and how to host an event, visit www.cantstoptheserenity.com. Darcy and I can also be heard on the Ghostlight Podcast, an intercast for the television series Slings and Arrows, also featured on quadruplez.com. Quadruple Z.